This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore, and this is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Thanks for being with us. Later today, a conversation with David Gifford. He's the author of Collector's Encyclopedia of Nile Oak, a reference and value guide. And he'll be the keynote speaker Saturday night at the second annual Arkansas Pottery Festival in Fayetteville. That's in about 20 minutes. First, Asa Hutchinson is just the fourth former governor of Arkansas to make a run for the president of the United States. I was in Bentonville last week to cover the announcement of his campaign and spoke to attendees about the former governor's chances. On an overcast Wednesday morning on the Bentonville Square, people start to make their way to the steps of the Benton County Courthouse to hear from the former governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, who's announcing that he's running for president of the United States of America. Wilma Donnelly came up from Little Rock for the event, and she says she's really glad that he's decided to run. It's going to keep the leaders focused on the real issues that we're battling today the crime rate, and I mean, you name it, we can claim it here in America, but with, with issues that's really uh, not good for us. It's not good for the future. We, we've got to do something. Charles Gazee is from Benton, not to be confused with Bentonville, and says as he looks at the primary field, he doesn't see anyone who he sees as a Republican other than Hutchinson. Gazee says one important element that he can bring to the table is a willingness to work across the political aisle. Maybe get the nation connected together. Got to work with both sides. Donnelly agrees. What I've heard from him is someone who has recognized that America's in trouble and that he is willing to do something about it. I really hope that all the leaders could finally realize that they've got to work together in, in order to get things done. Governor Hutchinson joins a handful of other Republican hopefuls, including former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, a former candidate for governor of California, Larry Elder, and of course, the former president, Donald Trump. Other politicians, like former Vice President Mike Pence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and South Carolina U.S. Senator Tim Scott, are considering a campaign as well, but have made no announcements at this time. What separates Hutchinson from the rest of the declared field currently is his vocal opposition to the former president. He has said that Trump should withdraw from running for a second term, citing the multiple legal cases he's involved in at this time. Brian Price is from Bentonville, and he says he thinks Hutchinson is a good choice, but being opposed to the Republican frontrunner may be a challenge. He's going to have a long climb, but, you know... I think he might be a pretty good president. He was a pretty good governor, so I mean, he had two terms. Randy Zook is the president and CEO of the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce. And he says Hutchinson has the track record to do the job. He's got plenty of things going for him. Uh, he's performed at a state level and national level. He's got the experience we need and he's got the temperament we need most of all. More so than <clears throat> President Trump? Oh, I think he's, he's the right guy. Rob Burgess is the campaign manager for Hutchinson, and he says being vocally in opposition to the former president is an advantage. The nation, as well as the Republican Party, are looking for leaders to stand up and state their convictions. And at the end of the day, Governor Asa Hutchinson believes that he is the right leader at this time to help move America forward and make sure that we are reaching for our best potential and not giving in to our worst instincts. And that's what sets him apart, and he's willing to say it. In 2016, when Donald Trump won the nomination from the Republican Party, there were 12 candidates who made it to the primary season. In 20 different states, Trump won the primary election with less than 50% of the overall vote due to the crowded field. When asked if he was concerned of a repeat of this in 2024, Burgess says no. We need to give the Republican primary voter more options, right? At the end of the day, we're electing the chief executive of our nation, right? This is the leader of the free world. We should not have a small stage. We need to have as many voices as possible there and really give voters an option to choose from. Following an introduction from the former first lady of Arkansas, Susan Hutchinson, the former governor took the stage to make it official. Today, I am announcing that I am a candidate for president of the United States. 
Hutchinson points out early in his speech that he has been a lifelong conservative, even when it was not popular to be one in Arkansas. In 1986, he ran for U.S. Senate against incumbent and former Governor Dale Bumpers and lost by a 25-point margin. At that time, Arkansas was a blue state, and the Republican Party was pretty much non-existent. I stepped up to take on runaway federal spending, to fight for a strong national defense, to support the life of unborn children, and to unleash the private sector of our economy. In other words, I ran as a conservative Republican when being a Republican was like having a career-ending handicap. In fact, lawyers told me that. I continued to fight the establishment, and over time, guess what? We won. The policy of economic conservatism that drove Hutchinson's campaign in 1986 is still prominent in his 2024 campaign for the ultimate executive office. The Biden administration has turned its back on the American worker. To turn our economy around, we have to stop the break the bank federal spending that has led to high inflation and rising interest rates. I have been chief executive of our state for eight years And that means I know how to balance a budget. I did it every single year. Tax cuts, reducing interest rates, and cutting back on government jobs are among the solutions Hutchinson plans on implementing as president. He also spoke in favor of better security of the southern border with Mexico, supporting our allies in Ukraine and Taiwan, and spoke against global isolationism. There are some who want the United States to disengage from the world and to isolate ourselves. Isolationism only leads to weakness, and weakness leads to war. I join with those who say we do not want an unending war in Ukraine, and the best way to avoid a long war is to help Ukraine win today. What you did not hear from the former governor's speech was perhaps just as noticeable. There was no mention of CRT, drag shows, no discussion of indoctrination, and not once did he use the word woke. After the speech, Randy Lawson of Bentonville said he resonated with the policies. I think the key thing, he's he's focused on the future, and it was positive, um, and he's got positive policy uh, recommendations for the American people, and I think it's good that he's going to be in the Republican uh, primaries and and uh, as my grandmother used to say who was a farmer here in Benton County cream rises to the top and we'll see how it all falls out with all the candidates that have already announced a group of columnists recently wrote in the New York Times about Hutchinson's candidacy John Bromet who writes for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette describes him as a workhorse in a game designed for show horses Michelle Cottle, a member of the Times editorial board, says his candidacy feels deader than a disco. The most recent polling from Emerson College on April 24th and 25th has Hutchinson polling at just 2%. This is Ozarks at Large. The Community Creative Center presents the Arkansas Pottery Festival May 5th through the 7th. This three-day exhibition and pottery sale will feature over 50 potters from around the state, an exhibition of masterworks from private ceramics collections, and more. An event schedule is available online at communitycreativecenter.org. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, welcoming Grammy-winning singer and guitarist Melissa Etheridge to the Auditorium in Eureka Springs this Friday, May 5th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets on sale now at tickets.thundertix.com. Still to come on this Tuesday edition of Ozarks at Large, Big Piff has recorded several albums and devoted a large amount of time to performing live. Now, he's developed a web series. He says all of his forms of entertainment seek a similar path. This is why I describe it. I look at like entertainment as like this big black box and people give you permission for you to lead them through it and to come out other side and hopefully they're moved in some way, right? Big Piff's new web series will be screened later this week at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville. And we'll learn more in our second half hour. 
Do you have an old car sitting around, and are you looking for a hassle-free way to get rid of it while making a tax-deductible charitable contribution? Donate it to KUAF. We work with cars, charitable adult rides, and services to provide you with this unique way to support our programs. All you have to do is call 855-500-RIDE. That's 855-500-7433. Or visit careasy.org and schedule a pickup. This is Ozarks at Large. The Arkansas General Assembly convened for a final meeting of this year's legislative session yesterday. Josie Lenora with our partner station KUAR has more. The 95th General Assembly of the Arkansas Legislature wrapped up Monday in the Senate. In the final minutes of the session, lawmakers motioned to approve 10 of Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' appointments to various boards and commissions, including three new members of the State Medical Board. Senators did not override any of the four vetoes the governor issued during the session. This year's session was marked by an education overhaul, new tax cuts, and a bill requiring violent criminals to serve longer sentences for their crimes. Lawmakers also passed a number of symbolic resolutions Monday, such as declaring May Bike Month in Arkansas and recognizing the 75th anniversary of the State of Israel. Republican Senator Bart Hester made the final announcement, which was concurred with by Lieutenant Governor Leslie Rutledge. The Senate is hereby adjourned sine die. As the presiding officer, the Senate is hereby adjourned sine die. For the rest of the year, the Arkansas legislature is done with regular business, unless the governor calls them into an extraordinary session. Josie Lenora, KUAR News. Early voting for the May 9th elections start today across Arkansas. There are four different bond measures on the ballot in Springdale, a millage increase for Northwest Arkansas Community College in Rogers and Bentonville, as well as a bond for a new community building in Lincoln, and much more. You can find more information about where to vote and what is on your ballot at voterview.org. The Cherokee Nation has been chosen by the USDA to administer the Farm and Food Works Relief Program. The program provides a one-time $600 relief payment to frontline workers who performed paid farming, agricultural, and meatpacking work between late January 2020 through early April 2023. The program is intended to help cover costs for reasonable and necessary expenses related to the pandemic. The Cherokee Nation will disseminate the $41 million through an online application starting today. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has chosen a new leader of higher education. It was announced yesterday that Dr. Ken Warden would be the commissioner of the Arkansas Division of Higher Education. Dr. Warden has worked with Arkansas Tech University Ozark and has spent the last nine years at the University of Arkansas Fort Smith, most recently holding the title of Associate Vice Chancellor of Compliance and Legislative Affairs. The governor says his experience in higher education makes him the clear choice to serve in this new role. Ozark Regional Transit has announced a partnership with Pedal It Forward to expand the organization's goal of providing more bicycles to the community. On Monday, May 8th, two bikes will be mounted on each fixed route and on-demand transit vehicle. The bikes, along with a helmet and a lock, will be available for riders to retrieve throughout the day as bikes will be replenished on the transit vehicles. Ozark Regional Transit says they hope this will be helpful to those in need and those desiring a means to travel more easily throughout the region. The Scott Family Museum is offering a two-week summer program called GSK Science in the Summer. The theme is Be a Physicist with a curriculum to introduce five unique careers within the scientific fields of physics. The program is open to second graders through sixth graders. They are partnering with three different boys and girls clubs in the region. The program is funded by GSK. It's free to Boys and Girls Club summer participants in Bentonville, Rogers, Bella Vista, Pea Ridge, Fayetteville, Salem Springs, and Gentry. The 12th-ranked Arkansas softball team is claiming a series win over third-ranked Tennessee after last night's 2-0 win at Bogle Park. Arkansas won two of the three games in the series, and they will play three games at Missouri beginning Friday night to close out the conference season. The 7th-ranked Razorback baseball team is playing its last non-conference game of the regular season tonight, facing Lipscomb at Dickey Stevens Park in North Little Rock. 
This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. The second annual Arkansas Pottery Festival begins Friday at the Community Creative Center. There will be demonstrations, showcases, and opportunities to purchase Arkansas-made art. Wes Brown, a visiting artist from Ohio, will speak and host a demonstration, and this year's keynote talk will be given by David Gifford about a style of pottery with deep roots in Arkansas clay. He's curating an exhibition of the Nyloak Swirled Pottery that has become something of a state legend. Yesterday, Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellums spoke with Gifford about the pottery in the exhibition opening Sunday at Historic Cane Hill Museum. Kyle asked him about the unusual name of the pottery. River Nile Oak Tree, Nyloak, and it's kaolin spelled backwards, which is a fine type of clay found around the world. It became widely popular in Arkansas in, what, the early 20th century? Uh, Yes. um, The pottery began, Nilo began in 1909-1910 and grew into a nationally known pottery by the late teens, early 1920s. And it's from a little town of Benton, Arkansas, outside of Little Rock, between Little Rock and Hot Springs. And it found a niche on the most simplest of ideas, swirling two clays or more into a vase. I was just going to say the result looks anything but simple. It's it. These are beautiful pieces. They are, and that is why Nilo stands alone. No ifs, ands, or buts stands alone as the most unique product in the American ceramic industry. It's been mimicked, copied, whatever word you like to use, inspired a host of other pottery companies. Yet none achieved the per- perfection that Nylock was able to do. It is simply not a simple thing to do. Well, that was and my next question. It. How do you. So if you're taking two kinds of clays to make this swirled appearance, it it seems like that might be difficult to make it all work in, in the beautiful ways it did. You had the firing process. It was a guarded secret that only got revealed in the mid-1920s, or rather 1928, when Hyten, Charles Hyten, who perfected the swirl process. And the secret got out because the patent office had to know why to the extreme. You know, the patent office was just not going to give you a patent on swirl, uh, the, the concept of swirl pottery. Right. And... So, firing processes for clays, why uh, they um, they're all over the place, and being able to bring together the elements and properties of clay, introduce with elements such as ferric oxide for red, cobalt oxide for blue. Etc. Copper for green, and make one body of clay where it wouldn't separate when it's fired. That was a achievement. Again, now I look stand above all the rest of American pottery industry who wanted to make art pottery as part of their inventory. You mentioned that Charles Dean Hyten in Benton perfected the swirl. 
do we do we know anything about what led him to to try to perfect it? What was there a spark of ingenuity that we can trace back to? We can. What we have is a host of Arkansas clay workers that came together in 30 miles right up, up the road to Benton the spark we'll never know hmm. but the results speak for themselves what happened to um, um, the operation it, it was very popular and and it had collectors and and admirers from around the world well uh, Economics is the the death of many things, as we know today. Um, economics, after World War II, when we helped Japan and many other countries, war-torn countries, um, after World War II, to help their economy, we started in importing uh, their products. Well, their products as today can be made much cheaper. And if the bric-a-brac, which means whatnot, whether it's clay, glass, or whatever, that were sold in gift stores, they couldn't compete. Nylok and all the other American pottery company simply could not compete. And they, one by one, died off. And for the most part, by nineteen early 1950s, um, the American pottery industry was in shambles. Mm. And that was the death. That was that's those are the reasons for the death of Nilo pottery. At the height of its popularity, you mentioned boosterism. It was there was pride in Arkansas. I think it became more or less, or maybe even officially, the state gift of Arkansas that governors would give. I think President Calvin Coolidge received yes. one. Yes, yes, and um, we have a very special piece that. I won't get into the verbiage of this presentation piece because it's very extensive. And it was given to the International, I believe, Federations of Women's Clubs. Um, it is a swirl piece. It's monumental. Monumental is when you get over near or about um, 24 inches tall that has inscribed in it the, the great seal of the state of Arkansas. And if you look at the great seal of the state of Arkansas, it's very detailed. It's been a while since the last Nilote piece was created. Um, is there, are, are collectors still looking for pieces they may not have? Is there a vibrant market of trading, selling, and buying? Yes, and it's uh, to be inclusive. There is great interest in American pottery wares, particularly American art pottery. And it is, you have people who like to collect things from their home state. Most states had a pottery of some sort. It is widely collectible. Some pieces 
will go into the, I believe, and the public will correct me if I'm wrong, hundreds of thousands about a hundred over a hundred thousand dollars. So they're very the American pottery industry and in particular the art pottery that many of them made is cherished. David Gifford is the author of Collector's Encyclopedia of Nylok, a reference and value guide. He also maintains the website ArkansasPottery.com. He'll deliver the keynote address Saturday night at the Arkansas Pottery Festival in Fayetteville. The Nylok exhibition at Historic Cane Hill Museum opens Sunday afternoon. David spoke with Ozarks at Largest Cow Callums by phone yesterday. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents Diego Rivera's America, the first major exhibition focused solely on the Mexican artist in over 20 years. It features his works, digital projections of his murals, and three major paintings by Frida Kahlo. On view now through July 31st. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. Amplify Festival, a multi-dimensional art and music festival showcasing the work of local creatives, is taking place May 6th on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville. Performances by Adam Fawcett, Bonnie Montgomery, J.T. London, Tylo May, Afrik Aya Dance and Drum, plus Middle of Nowhere Mini Film Fest, KXUA DJs, food trucks, a beer garden, and more. Gates open at noon. Tickets at AmplifyNWA.org. That's A M M P L I F Y N W A.org. The Northwest Arkansas Naturals host the Wichita Wind Surge this week at Arvest Ballpark in Springdale. Ticket and promotional information available at NWANaturals.com. Every Tuesday, we bring you an excerpt from our partner podcast, I Am Northwest Arkansas. The show is hosted by Randy Wilburn and features conversations with thought leaders and folks worth knowing about in the region. And today's conversation is no exception. Bill Fox is a small business champion with his previous work at the Small Business Development Center and now as the Director of Technical Assistance at Forge. We serve the entire state of Arkansas. We also serve 18 counties in southwestern Missouri, three counties in eastern Oklahoma, as well as, uh, I think, nine or ten parishes in northern Louisiana. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we, we our footprint has grown significantly, but 98% of our loans are still done in Arkansas. Yeah. And many of those in northwest Arkansas are... are Headquarters, our world headquarters, if you will, are in in Huntsville, okay. which is in Madison County. Sure, but we have folks in uh, Little Rock, covering Central Arkansas. We have a wonderful woman, Megan Whitehead, in Southern Arkansas. Our man in Little Rock is named Jay Young, who's a great guy. We have Latanya Robinson in uh, Eastern Arkansas, the Delta region in Jonesboro. Myself and my colleague Sandra Carrasco cover northwest Arkansas and the River Valley, as well as uh, parts of uh, north central Arkansas as well. So we got the whole state covered. We we got a great team who are really committed to our mission. And like you said earlier, our mission is basically to provide access to credit for folks who may have had difficulty obtaining it from traditional sources, such as commercial banks or credit unions. We do loan primarily to folks with small businesses both startups and existing businesses. And because of our uh, status as a nonprofit community development financial institution, we're able to be a little more flexible with our um, loan criteria. You know, we, we look at each, each, uh, each borrower as an individual and assess their, assess their needs yeah. and, you know, look at their history and everything else, all of which enters into the decision. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I've heard some amazing stories of, of individuals that you guys have helped throughout the state, right? And that's kind of really what drew me to what you were doing. What are, are some of the, the, I would say, the common misconceptions that people have that are starting a business in terms of going out and securing credit or securing a loan to get that business off the ground? And, and the reason why I ask is because I think a lot of times, you know, we hear all these ideas out there about, oh, you know, do it from your, you know, your bootstraps and, and dust yourself off. And, you know, you've got to make it happen yourself, only you and nobody else. And the reality is, is that 
most of our capitalistic society has developed itself by virtue of some type of financial help to get started and get things going? Right. That's a great question. And some of the misconceptions are that it is easy to get a loan to start a small business through a bank or a credit union or an organization like Forge. It's not easy. There, even though we are a little more flexible, you still need to do your, your diligence, your due diligence, right? Yeah. And you got to know your numbers, okay? Yeah. And for a startup, that is not always easy. Yeah. So in addition to providing loans and lending services, we also provide technical assistance. And that's kind of like the consultative support. That's the, exactly. To help that's, people get to where they need to be in order to be able to secure Forge Fund. Exactly. So, yeah. Randy, you're right on the money. And, and we like to get our folks loan, as we call it, loan ready. You yeah. know, if they're not already, a lot of times we'll get referrals from the ASB TDCs mm-hmm. around the state of Arkansas. Yep. They do a wonderful job of getting people loan ready right. by providing them with business planning assistance. They do you know, projections, they provide market research as well as consulting services. So when, when, when we see a, a prospective borrower who's visited one of the ASB TDC offices you know, throughout the state or even the SBDC in, in Missouri, that's a green flag for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that means, at least to us, that they're serious. You know, they, they know what they're up against to a certain point. You know, you never know what you're up against right. until you start doing it. Right. But at least they've, they've done the homework. Okay. Sure. And to, to us, really, the, one of the most important things is, do you know the industry that you're about to enter into? Yep. You know, with the startup, of course. Do you know how much it's going to cost you to get started? I mean, have, have you gone through that process? And then do you know how much stuff you're going to have to sell in order to cash flow your business and make yourself a living, make yourself money, right? Sure. And create value for yourself, the community, and your other stakeholders. So it's a process. It's a process. <laughs> and it's, um, like you said, you never know what you're getting yourself into until you get into it. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Despite all of the research. And, but, but, but there's um, so many good ideas out there. You know, so many innovative ideas in, in Northwest, throughout the whole state. Sure. You know, for products and services and whatnot. And that's what makes my job fun is just hearing about some of these innovative and, you know, unique ideas. But can you make it into a business? Yeah. Okay. Or is it just a hobby? So when, when people come to us for a loan, we want to make sure that it's a good fit. Okay. And, and it, there's risk involved in anything. Yep. Okay. Yep. So one of the things we try to assess is, you know, their tolerance for risk. What's their stage of life? What's their financial security, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and it's not, you know, my job is to make, is to help people get loans and yeah. whatnot. It's not, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Okay. It isn't. It really isn't. And, and you really have to think long and hard about it before you actually, you know, sign that, uh, sign that thing. So. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's, it's one thing to get, you know, venture funding, or venture backed funding where, you know, you're not necessarily on the hook for it. Right. I mean, a lot of, you know, that's one of the differences like it with venture capital. If I'm a venture capitalist, I'm probably going to make 10 bets and eight of them are going to fail, (laughs) (laughs) meaning that I'm going to lose that money, but the other two are going to be like Instagram or whatever. You know what I'm saying? They'll make up for it. And that's how it works in the venture backed field of funding businesses. But in this particular situation, there is an actual loan involved. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, and <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I'm only saying, <laughs> no, that, I, I'm only saying that to say that this is why people, that's why the technical assistance piece is so important, right? Because yeah. here's the rub is that if people would just take, and when I say if people, I say that means anyone that has an idea that wants to get it off the ground. If they can prove that they can put a dollar into their business and get $2 out, then they may have something. Yes. It's, it's going through that process yes. and proving that over and over again until you realize that, you know what? I can actually, I feel comfortable enough that every time I put a dollar in, I'm getting one or $2 out for every dollar I put in. That means you have a viable entity that makes sense and that you could potentially make yourself 
get a loan for what you're trying to do. Yeah. So if you can get a dollar out of every dollar you put in, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> right. Because that's usually, that's right. not the rule. No, I know. It's usually I like know. five cents. Yeah. <laughs> but I, kn- I know what you're saying. Yeah. In fact, a, a banker friend of mine, when he has a, a client in front of him who wants to get a small business loan, will put five pennies on his desk and the customer will say, what are those five pennies for? <laughs> and like, this is how much you're going to make after every dollar you sell. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, so it's a little sobering. It's- and unfortunately, that's usually the case, you know, and people call me like the dream crusher and stuff. And that's, you know, what I'm, I don't want to crush anybody's dreams, but I also, but their dreams can be crushed if they get in over their head too. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah. For their long-term financial stability of, of themselves, their families, if they have them and that type of thing. So you have to think about all those things before you enter into, you know, the small business realm. You really do. You need support of your family. I used to ask people, so why do you want to do this small business thing? And, you know, very often they said, well, you know, I want to be my own boss and spend more time with my family. I go, well, yeah, good luck with that. Because (laughs) (laughs) your family isn't going to want to be around you because you're going to be stressed out all the time. Okay. And then as far as your, your bosses, you're going to have more bosses, you know, being in business on your own than you ever did working for whomever. Sure. Okay. So, and again, I, I don't mean to discard because look, owning a business and being, you know, doing something you love and getting up every day to do that is not working, right? It's doing something you love. But when you, when you own a small business, you get caught up in the minutia that you have to get caught up in, you know, the, especially the numbers part. Right. Because you need to know that if you're going to make any decisions, right? So a lot of times people start working, you know, in the business instead of on the business. That's an old cliche. But it's true. So they end up not doing what they love because they got to do all this other stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have to understand that going in. And again, unless you're, I would go visit people, started their business. A year later, I'd go visit them. How are things going? Well, you didn't tell me it was going to be this hard. <laughs> I go, you're wrong. I did tell you. Yes. You just didn't listen. Okay. You heard what you wanted to hear. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. No, that, that is. And, um, and that, that, that's the case, you know. Practically every every person I've ever worked with, and not 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 that they have second thoughts about doing it. No, no, they, they I get just it. realize that it's it's a lot harder than they thought it was going to be. Bill Fox is the director of technical assistance at Forge, and the most recent guest on the podcast. I am Northwest Arkansas, hosted by Randy Wilburn. You can hear the full conversation at IamNorthwestArkansas.com or at KUAF.com/podcasts. Mary Beth Brooks has been director of the Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center at the University of Arkansas since 2018. We help people grow their businesses. Probably about 30% of what we do are are businesses that are already existing, people who are either looking to add a new location, folks who are uh, adding new product lines or just trying to grow, and then sometimes some who are just looking to survive. We can really work through cash flow and try to make some adjustments and try to give them advice that way. And then the remaining probably 15% or so are people who are buying and selling businesses. You can hear more from Mary Beth Brooks in this month's edition of Short Talks from the Hill, a research and economic development podcast from the University of Arkansas. Listen at KUAF.com, at arkansasresearch.uark.edu, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, when Annie returns to the Walton Arts Center stage this week, there will be familiar characters, Annie, Daddy Warbucks, and Miss Agathy included, and Sandy, Annie's dog. We'll talk with Bill Berloni, Sandy's trainer, about his career helping animals and humans act together. I think the secret to my success in terms of training was... I recognized that whoever was handling the animals on stage had to have the same relationship that I did with them. You know, I can't say to a dog, go listen to that person. That person has to say, listen to me. And what motivates an animal to listen to them is that we teach the actors how to be trainers. You know, we teach them the basic commands and how to enforce them. Um, But we also create a bond. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and at 7 p.m. You can also listen to the Ozarks at Large podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can keep up with Ozarks at Large every weekday morning in your email inbox. Subscribe to our newsletter today and never miss a story. You can do that 
at KUAF.com slash newsletter. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. Ruled by the Whip, an obscure 1958 book offers a detailed, brutal, and accurate account of prison life in mid-20th century Arkansas. Dale Woodcock was sent to Cummins Prison Farm after being convicted of theft and wrote his memoir following his release. Woodcock documented a system in which prisoners called trustees were used as guards, inmate doctors provided inadequate medical care, and insufficient food and brutal whippings were commonplace. Convicts were set out in long lines to pick cotton while watched by guards on horseback, and the cutting of sugarcane was their most hated task. Inmate friends were forced to fight for the amusement of other prisoners. One convict said, There's nothing in Arkansas to be thankful for, while another declared that outsiders wouldn't believe a place like this exists in America. It would be another decade before prison reform became a major issue. Few copies of Ruled by the Whip remain, mostly in library special collections. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. Big Piff is an established musician and hip-hop artist. He's also devoted time to community work and engagement. And now he's venturing into episodic web series work. Far From Finished is something of a combination of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Atlanta, and Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. The first season will be screened at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art Thursday night. The scripted show features Big Piff playing, well, Big Piff, or at least a version of him. Last week, Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellams asked Big Piff about his meta approach to Far From Finished. And I kind of knew that going into it. Uh, Truthfully, going into it, the first drafts were a lot more of me. Uh, But then I realized, like, I don't really... My main point is not to tell my story as much as it is to tease some aspects that I've learned from my story and entertain. So it started off like being this like 90% version of me, and now it's like 50. So even when I watch the series, I'm kind of like, man, that, that guy's weird. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely sparked by me. Some instances are very much so close to reality, but other ones are more so like this was sparked from my life or interesting thought, and this is how I played it out. So as you're as it's evolving from that ninety percent you to fifty percent you, are you making revisions? Are you thinking, oh, what if this could have happened? That sort of thing. It's a, it's a lot more. So I, I want to do a lot more screen uh, playwriting, and so for me, what's more important was the overarching story than to tell my story, right? So for me, it's like as the story develops and I have certain themes in it, the character starts becoming a character of its own. So whenever the character needed to do something, I didn't really try to stick to like my life on it, right? So even though stuff might have been like most of it sparked from things that happened in my life, as the revisions occurred, they changed because it's like this doesn't work for the story. That's just interesting to me in the occurrence, but it doesn't really work for the story. You said you're interested in doing more script writing. What do what do you find fascinating about that? Uh so truthfully at the at the Part of it is creating experiences. So even with music with me, the harder has always been like, this is why I describe it. I look at like entertainment as like this big black box and people give you permission for you to lead them through it and to come out other side and hopefully they're moved in some way, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, like TV and movies always kind of played that route for me. Also did one time I did like a, a stage performance that was mixed in hip-hop and meta aspects as well. But for me, where I'm at now in terms of like storytelling, creating experiences, and also world-building, is tending to take more of the form of these narratives that people allow, give you permission to take you on a, a trip and a journey. And so for me right now, yeah, it's kind of like leaning a lot more into this uh, narrative um, screenplays because I think it had a lot of influence on me growing up and still now. And so now I just kind of see ways has become a natural extension of what I was doing before. When you're performing hip hop, you're in front of the audience and you're right there. You are you. When you're going to be yeah. with an audience watching a film project, you're when it's being shown, you're kind of with the audience. So that's sort of a different experience. I wonder what that's like for you. Yeah, so it's definitely different, right? So it's definitely different in that one of them, I'm live real time delivering it was the other one is like and i'm real time delivering it as myself but the other time um 
I'm not. Now, the thing is this, though, performing, and I would even differentiate a little bit more between, like, recording, performing, and then this new extension. Because performing, though, you're giving, especially where I'm at now, performances, especially doing stuff with a live band. Mm -hmm. Like, we're setting it up in terms of even the set list is meant to be this experience. So it's kind of like this song goes here, this song goes there. We have an interaction with this crowd this way. And then also just in terms of, like, intros, outros, and sequencing, like, I'm still creating an experience that is me, but it's very much so meant to be for this crowd that's right there, right? So it's only, you know... I'm of the moment. 360 degree Of the moment, right? Of the moment, right? And so this is different in a sense of, like you're saying, I'm not of the moment leading in real time, but still the same way a good movie, you remove yourself, jump into it, and come back out later on, same thing you do on a show. It's two different experiences, but it's both these experiences and a ride you go through. So now it's just kind of like trying to create different rides and experiences, even though I'm no longer like the conductor hand-holding you through it. I'm wondering because, you know, you can, you're working with that band, you can rehearse, you can be ready to go. You say, okay, tomorrow night we're going to do this just a fraction differently. So, yes, when you're performing as a live performer, you can work on it and try to perfect it as much as possible. But when you're doing it, you're doing it. And and then it's over. Yep. When you're doing yep. recording in the studio or something that's filmed like uh, the Far From Finish series that's going to be at Crystal Bridges, you always have a chance to look back or listen back and go, oh, I could have done that better. And I wonder if that alters the creative process for you. One is happening live. It's happening right now. There's nothing you can do about that moment. The other, you can always edit or tweak. Uh, it definitely does. I would say it definitely does. And also I would say, like, I don't, what, I, I don't want them for me to be the same experience, and I don't want them for people to be the same experience. So it's like, they're two unique things. That's also why, like, it wasn't, um, and now I'm done with recording and, and performing because they're two different highs or different embodiments for me. But you're right, like, in the sense of I'm watching the series now and seeing so much thing, and because I have a steep learning curve as a writer and creator, I'm like, oh, I would have done it so much differently. Whereas I'm shaping out, like, season two, I'm like, this is what we can do so much better because now we learn this. Um, and I love it. Like, I love it, even though sometimes it costs cringes moments because I'm like, <laughs> that could have been better. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Or we should have done, done that better. But it's also the same time of, in creativity, that just happens. Because even in the same way, in I look back at performances, sometimes I do look back at clips. I'm like, oh, we could have hit that moment better. Right. Like if we would have done this or I would have paused more as a performer, I could have done that best. So for me as a creative, I'm like always trying to learn and grow. It's just because I'm so early in the curve here. This is way more cringe moments. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's all it sounds like for you. It's ultimately a positive like, oh, next time I know that could be a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, so for me and this is kind of how I approach life, like there's very few things that are done in a way that like are permanently damaging you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. this is like creativity is like my growth process and also when i do it well it like engages entertains and sometimes challenges other people to grow and in that process it's not a clean process like in the very nature of that of growth is challenged and so it's like if everything was done perfectly then i'm not growing or learning or getting better i'm just basically staying in the comfort zone as a creative and i do this creativity thing to get better, learn, grow, and create experiences for myself and others, which inherent in that process is cringe moments. So, and that's, so I don't, <laughs> I don't look forward to them. Like can't wait to feel embarrassed and awkward, but I do look forward to them in the sense of through that embarrassment and awkwardness, I'm just becoming doper. And like, that's a win for me. And that's reflected in the title far from finished. That's completely, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, this goes sort of just right along with, kind of, you, you said how you in your life, because you love to entertain, whether it be as an MC, a musician, a screenwriter, an actor, but that's not it for you. Entertainment's not enough, right? I mean, it's, you, you mentioned challenging, but, but there's got to be communal work involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what uh, I tell people, when people ask what my job is now, I give them a completely made-up term, <laughs> which is a hip-hop adventurer. But for me, when they ask me what that is, because they give me a blank stare, it's like um, it's where hip hop creativity meets community activation. It's kind of uh, a lot of that. The second part came about after I went to uh, Gambia for uh, cultural ambassadorship, 
and I saw how powerful hip hop was and things that I was overlooking in my career, how it had impact. And then it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people are like, all right, so are you this community dude or are you this entertainer? And I just kind of decided I'm both. And it really doesn't have to be a lot of demarcation between them because some of the most powerful entertainment I've like encountered has been both in the sense of it's caused me to challenge paradigms of the way I'm thinking or sometimes engage differently. Um, so for me, that's kind of, I'm trying to get them blended both together. Now at the same time, if someone just gets entertained by it, like, honestly, that's completely cool. Like I'm not mad or like, I don't have that as my only parameter. Right. Um, and some of my stuff is leaning a lot more and more just community, but even my community work or a lot of my programming has very entertaining aspects to it because I don't know. It's like a lot of times we, we start doing jobs and people are just like, are you this or that? It's like most people I know who do amazing things have a lot of dynamics. And so for me, it's just kind of like that within there and kind of just owning it as opposed to being like, see me as this and then ease that in there. It's just kind of like owning them both from the beginning. But yeah, community work and activation are um, very important to me in terms of what I kind of see my overall purpose as. So it just eases into my entertainment as well. Big Piff will screen his web series Far From Finished at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art Thursday night. Doors open at 7. The show begins at 7.30 and is hosted by the Arkansas Cinema Society and the Michaud Award and Film Labs. The event, including live music from Big Piff, is free. He spoke with Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellums last week. Hey, I want to try out something new. Sometimes you gotta step outside your comfort zone to figure out who you really are. So this is just me taking a chance, speaking on the situation at hand with you. <laughs> Kinda hope you feel the same way too, though. Hobbs State Park Conservation Area will host a waterfall program May 7th at 2 p.m., beginning at the Visitor Center. The program is free and open to the public. Flip Puttoff, outdoors reporter at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, will share some of his new photos of Ozark waterfalls and discuss the best time to look for waterfalls and provide directions for getting to some of the premier sites across the state. For more information about the program, you can call the Visitor Center at 479-789-5000. Ozark Folkways on Highway 71 in Winslow will present the Roving Gambler Band performing this Saturday, May 6th at 6 p.m. Straight from the Arkansas Ozark Hills, the Roving Gambler Band has been entertaining audiences for over 30 years. A $10 donation supports the musicians and the mission of Ozark Folkways. For more, ozarkfolkways.org. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Van Buren, Bella Vista, and Vaughn. Contributors today included Josie Lenora, Kyle Kellums, Mark Christ, and Randy Wilburn. KUAF's membership director is Brett Ratliff. You can make a gift anytime to support this listener-supported station at supportkuaf.com. And if you're already a sustaining member or donor to this station, thanks so much for your support. Today's show was produced inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. I'm Matthew Moore. Join us back here at noon and at 7 p.m. tomorrow. Until then, be well.